we've been talking about some things that I believe that I struggle with as a, even as a pastor. And I know that you guys struggle with also as men and women of God. Um, and so if I'm struggling and I know you're struggling, man, we need to talk about these things. And so the first several chapters was talking about the fall of man and two trees that were in the Garden of Eden. There was the tree of knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. I didn't even know that there was two trees. And in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, all of us, I believe, in this room have eaten from this tree. It didn't look like a tree, and it didn't have a shiny apple on it when we came to that tree. But we all saw the fruit of the effects of that apple in our lives. When we ate of it, we found shame in our lives. We found confusion in our lives. We found fear and insecurity and victimization and the need to blame others or just the, the, the idea, the desire to cover ourselves or to hide. And that's the same thing that happened to Adam and Eve when they fell in the garden. And so in our lives there was this tree and then Christ came and he offered another tree called the tree of life. And with that tree it covers shame and victimization, and the need to blame others, and it restores boldness, and it restores identity and confidence. And what I've found in Christ is something that is very, very, very wonderful because it, it makes it to the point where we don't have to cover what we've done wrong. But there are many people that are existing, even in church today, that are covering what they've done wrong. And I don't know where that comes from or why we're buying into that lie, but you don't have to pretend when you've done something wrong. Like, we've all done wrong. And Christ came to take that for us. And so anyways, we talked about over the last several weeks a few things that I have found in my own life. And I have found in my life the struggle that I have with Christ is this desire. Um, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil says that you need to do more to get to God. That you need to pray more, give more, share more, tell more, read more show up and serve more. You need to do these things more in order for you to get to God. But the tree of life is telling you that Jesus has already done everything that you need to get to God. And why that's important is because we have to stop trying to do something that's already been done. And this is a hard thing. The price has already been paid. God already loves you just as you are. And this is a hard mentality because many of us are waiting to get to God or trying to fix you got to know that you were justified the moment that you received Jesus. The moment that you received Jesus by faith, it was just as if you never sinned. Now there's a process of getting all the crap out of your life that you're going to deal with and I'm going to deal with and we're all going to deal with. But that process, he's committed to doing with us, regardless of what we've been told. He likes you. He really likes you. And he's committed to you. So we don't have to do more to get to God. He already is committed to us. Secondly, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil says you have to keep trying to get God's approval. And I hate this striving that I see in the church of people that just feel like a failure trying to earn God's love. And I don't know where it comes from. We talked about it at our table this, this Wednesday night. And I just seemed like there are so many of us that still have a sense of like, man, I've really messed up and I'm not doing it right. And I don't know what we need to do other than the fact that you understand that you're already in a relationship with someone that receives you just as you are. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have the right IQ or the right perfect body or the right tone of voice. Or you don't have to be gifted and talented. and do. He likes you 
That's it. The last thing was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil says obey out of duty, but the tree of life says to obey out of delight. And what we find out is that when we love God, we love Him because we want to know Him more. That's why we obey Him, because we want to be closer to Him, not because we're doing it out of fear. But when we obey Him, we get closer. It's just like any relationship, man. When I'm doing what you're asking, there's trust that's, that's taking place in the two of us, and we're automatically drawing closer. So I have to stop all that and get it and make sure that we're on the same page here. I'm under the impression, I don't know what the temperature or the climate is at, at other churches, but I'm under the impression that the folks that come here want to know God more. I'm under the impression that the folks that are here have given their life and their heart to Jesus, and they're saying, I want, I want to know him more. With that mindset, I have to remind you that you don't have to do anything else for God to love you. All you have to do is want him, and he wants you, and you guys can, can enter into relationship right there. Now, I have found in my life, that's where this part picks up, we, uh, we watched a video the other night, and he talked about this guy, that had a, the, uh, this pastor that was talking. He said that he, um, he was uh, preaching and doing all these great, cool things for, for Jesus, and, and uh, then he went out to play some golf, and he was, he was doing really good golf, and he, he was beating all these guys, and he got out of the, the golf course, whatever, and he was on a long car drive, and on the car drive, he said he felt like he was having an anxiety attack, and nothing was going on, everything was beautiful, and in the midst of this, uh, this, this anxiety attack, he stopped feeling his arm, and all these things were going on, and then he realized, wait, these symptoms, something's wrong, and they had to call 911, and he, was, he realized he was having a heart attack. And uh, they had to go in and check some things, and he had some blockages going on in his heart, and he realized, man, this is really, really, really a big deal, uh, what was going on. And so what we're coming from in this series right now, talking about freedom, is that many of you are struggling in your life to breathe. Many of you are struggling in your life to even find confidence in who you are with the only person that is only ever going to love you just as you are. And so this is a terrible thing that happened uh, when we ate of the tree. And we believe this lie that we're naked and we need to be filled with shame. But God is trying to restore us to a place of truth that we would understand that he loves us. And so they came up with four ideas that you and I in the body of Christ are struggling. He called them blockages of the heart. And so I'm going to get there right next, guys. Four blockages of the heart that he had mentioned. He said the first one was self, um, self, being selfish or, or having selfish ambition. The second, he said, was bitterness. The third was rejection. And the fourth were evil thoughts. And uh, so we're going to dive into these over the next few weeks. And today we're going to talk about selfish, selfishness, and uh, this key word today. If you would have your cell phones, if you would get them out today, I'm going to have you guys text in the key word, surrender. If you're new here, uh, we're asking you to text in. That's how we know that you came. If you don't want anyone to know that you came, you don't have to text. But if you want us to know, we have a few gifts for you. And uh, we'll text you. You text us. We'll text you back. And you'll end up getting a few gifts after service at the back table. Text in 777-3520. And the keyword today is surrender. Someone will text you back. And, and that'll be that. And so anyway, so what happened in my life? Maybe similar to you, Paul, in his relationship with God, talked about how he struggles in his relationship with God. And I feel like in, there's been times and seasons in my life that I've struggled. I don't know about you, but I've, I'm, I'm married, and there's been times and seasons in my relationship, with, in my marriage, where we've struggled. I, I, in any relationship that I've ever had, a relationship with work, a relationship at church, a relationship with friends, there's these highs and lows. 
And it's not going to be any different in your relationship with God, but sometimes you've got stuff just going on on the inside, and you take it out on the Lord. And so it comes out of these, these blockages. Um, and so today we're talking about selfishness. We're talking about um, selfish ambition. And man, I, I couldn't be more excited about where I feel like this is going to go today. I, um, I have a cold, and um, this morning, Lacey, when you prayed, I, I kid you not, I'm standing there, and, uh, and I'm, I'm here, Re- Deb, where you at? Deb, you muscled through that today, and that was awesome. Deb, before service, said that she was um, not feeling well, and she just wanted to go home and go to sleep. She said, I'm tired, I just want to go home and go to sleep. And uh, Deb got called on last minute because Rachel said she was throwing up. And Deb, you muscled through, and I'm, I'm listening to you sing, and I'm going, man, dude, you're fighting right now to get to the Lord for us. And I'm sitting there going, I'm tired, I don't want to do this. And then Lacey, you got up and you like rebuked that. And I'm telling you, it was like, I didn't know where you were going, but when you started praying, it was like, it was for me. And uh, Howard and Patty prayed over me this morning. I didn't want them to pray what they prayed. And they said that in my weakness, he is made strong. And so what I'm realizing is that many of us today, anyways, that was rad, that was rad. You guys are rad. Here we go. (laughs) Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 and 23, through 23. He says this, my son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words and do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. And I know that some of you guys love God and you want to be closer to him. And so when I hear even like Solomon saying this, he's like saying, hey, look, man, if you want to grow, if you want to know the Lord, listen, 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 listen. I love it. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart for their life to those who find them and health to one's body. Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows through your heart. I don't know if you realize this, but when we gave our lives to the Lord, we surrendered our hearts to Him. We said, God, I want to love you with all of my mind, with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all my strength. And the kingdom of God, whether you have realized it or not, is all right here. I mean, God just, He knows what's going on. He, he cares about this right here. This is the, man, he, if we just got it, we're going to live the rest of our life trying to figure out how to get this thing right right here. But it's a process. Guard your heart, for everything you do flows through it. I love this. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. God is, um, check this out. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance. Time out. He's talking about little boy David. And God is about to pick the man of God that he's going to choose to become the next king of Israel and lead God's army. And he's standing, Samuel is standing before seven six guys and the seventh one isn't even in the room yet and uh and it's like man 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 ish kind of man sort of man and then there's like little david you know who's like out tending the sheep like the little brother who the little engine that could you know and like he's just like this little throwback little yellow duckling and god speaks to samuel and he says don't look at the outward appearance Don't consider his height, for I have rejected them. But the Lord does not look at the things that people look at. The Lord looks at the, uh, people look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And God is looking at our hearts today. He's looking at our hearts. 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 I'm going somewhere with this. It's going to be wonderful. So we're talking today about surrender. When we came to the Lord, some of us got to a point in our life where we realized that we've made some mistakes We've wanted some things we shouldn't have wanted. We've done some things we shouldn't have done. And here I am, God, I need you. If you've not been there, you may not know what I'm talking about. But I'm in a point in my life where I realize 
I need the Lord. And you could say that that means that, means that I'm a failure or I'm, I'm, I'm weak. You're right. I, I know that I have dropped the ball. I've said some things I shouldn't have said. I've hurt some people I shouldn't have said. And I realize that I need God in my life. I need His wisdom. He knows far more than me. I need the Lord. So we're talking about surrendering our heart today. We just say that, God, surrender my heart. God, surrender my heart. God, surrender my heart. The hard thing about surrender is, I think, our image of it. So most of us, when we think about surrender, we think about, let's pretend that this is, uh, this is my gun here. This is my Glock 9, right, my 9 millimeter. And we think about this. Uh, well, surrender, Brian. And that's what we think of, right? Like, just stick them up. But I, I don't know if you realize that this is the way it's done maybe in war or maybe in life. Someone sticks it out and you put them up and you say, look, I give up. and I, I surrender. I quit. That's not the way the Lord works. See, I've really had to think about this for quite some time. And I realize that the process of surrender is different with God because of this. God is n- never forcing you to do anything. See, I can... Surrender really is, is, is only on your end. It's never on mine. For example, I can't, this is my 9 millimeter. I can't point it at Brian and say, Brian, do 10 jumping jacks. I can aim a gun at him, but I cannot make him do 10 jumping jacks. Do you understand that? There is nothing I can do to make Brian do anything in his life. He has to give in to it. He has to realize that maybe this is a better alternative, you know? Like, his, him listening to me may be a better alternative, and I'm going to do what the guy says because that's probably the wise thing to do, but that's fine. But I didn't make him do that. Does that make sense? There is nothing in our life that God is making us do, and you have to understand that God is actually far more patient with your willingness to surrender than you think. He's actually not making you do anything today. He's asked you multiple times to do a lot of things, but we've resisted in a lot of scenarios. And uh, what I'm realizing today is that the enemy of surrender is control. And I see it so much in my life. The, with the, the frustration and the, the, the ability to hang on and try to fix and do things. I, I just thought about this right here in this moment. This is a free little nugget. There's a story in, uh, in 1 Samuel where God is moving the Ark of the Covenant back to Israel. I don't know if some of you guys know this story, but it's really cool. They're moving the Ark of the Covenant, which is the actual presence of God. And the people of God realize that they've got to help the process. And so some of them get in there and they get their hands on the Ark. And the moment they touch it, they die. And uh, I realize that we have a lot of control issues in trying to move God or do things for God or God's not moving fast enough or doing things the way that we know that He should do things. And so what we do is we step in and we act and control things for Him. There's a situation that you can think of in, in Genesis where Abraham and his beautiful wife Sarah Sarah, yeah, yes. Uh, Sarah wants they want to have a baby, and they're trying, and they're getting older in years, and they and God's just not doing it on their schedule. And so Sarah gets a great idea that she can help the Lord by just you know going over and finding this other girl. And I listened to a message this last like two weeks ago, and they talked about how this is a word of the Lord for all of you guys. 
don't ever sleep with a woman named Hagar. And I'm like, oh, man, that was great. It was such a cool thing. This is the word of the Lord. Hagar is not there. And I'm like, I don't know anyone named Hagar. So that works out pretty well. Um, anyways, that was a rabbit trail. Sorry. The first step in, um, so I, I looked at the definition for surrender. And it said this, to seize resistance to an enemy, opponent, or to submit to authority. That This is what surrender means. To seize resistance to an enemy or to an opponent. And uh, the first thing I want to remind you guys is that the Lord is not our enemy. So we don't have to like surrender in the same method to him. It's actually just like a giving up in, a, in like a partnership in a lot of ways. But I was thinking about the way... I don't know if you've if you've learned yet, and I, I don't. I'm, maybe I'm still learning this. 18 years into being a Christian, but the way that the Holy Spirit moves is He flows. It's like a river. The way He moves, the Scripture says that out of our belly will flow rivers of life. The Holy Spirit. Jesus said in, to Nicodemus, He said that the Holy Spirit comes where He wants to. He's like the wind. No one knows where He comes from or where He's going. He flows. And so, what, when I think about like something that flows, um, is that it will flow in a direction, and we have the ability to dam that flow if we want to. And so in our life, he's giving you the option of surrendering, but oftentimes you still have the authority to stop, to move, and to prevent God's flow in our lives. I've seen this over and over and over again, and there there are repercussions for preventing God's flow. It's not like... Like, you're terrible, but when we sin, it's going to hurt. If you look at something you're not supposed to look at, it's going to cause effect both to you and to whomever else you're in relationship with. If you don't give when you're supposed to give, it's going to cause, like, there are things, there are repercussions to the decisions we make in our life. When we stop the flow of God in something he's trying to do, there's a cause and effect to it. I'm going somewhere with this, I promise. And so... I think the first thing we have to learn in this whole process of seizing to our enemy and all this other stuff is that God is not our enemy. In fact, this is the first like point, if you would, today, is that God is good. And I want you to get back to the point in surrender where you, tr- you, 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 you like him and you trust in his goodness. All of this flows out of that. Because if he's not good and he's not for you, then everything else that you do in your life is, is going to complicate what's going on. Listen to this. This is in Psalms chapter 119, verse 66 through 68. He says, I believe in your commandments. Now teach me good judgment and knowledge. I used to wander off until you disciplined me, and, but now I closely follow your word. You are good and you do good, so teach me your decrees. You are good and you do good. You are good and you do good. You are good and you do good. And you're the, I, I, I say this often as a prayer. I, God, you're the best thing in my life. It's not my wife. I, I love my wife. She's the second best thing going on in my life. But God is good. He is good. And what he wants for my life is good. And if you can't trust the Lord, what can you trust? So, you can try to trust a doctor, but there's only so much. You can try to trust in your finances or your ability, but when your back gives out, man, I'm telling you, like, there's only so much that you can trust in you. So here's probably one of the biggest, this is the first verse I ever learned in the Bible. 
I memorized it when I heard it. It, um, this was the first life-transforming revelation that I ever got from the Lord, and I'm giving it to you today for free as a nugget. You ready for this? Here we go. This is good. You're going to want to write this down, memorize it, share it with someone, but if you don't know it, you're going to want to know it. This is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. A lot of theology going on here. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding, but in all your ways submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. There's a lot of things going on in our life where we're having a hard time trusting him. Here's what happens. When you don't trust him anymore, you take control. And the more you take control, the more you're afraid of losing control. And the more you're afraid of losing control, the more you feel like you have to take control. And the more you take control, you're afraid of losing control. And so you take control. And you take more and more things back into your own hands that you were not intended to take control of. Does that make sense? This is a, a neat little metaphor. I learned this some years ago. I remember I was uh, one night, this old woman uh, who I barely knew prophesied over me. And uh, she looked at me and it was, she said, there's no peace in you. And I was like, man, that's not. Oh my goodness, that is true. And she, and she said, if peace isn't within you, what's, what's out of order? And I, it just messed me up. We didn't talk about anything else. That's where the conversation ended. And I remember, man, I loved God so much back in those days. I, I, I went and I rented. I went to a pool hall and uh, I rented a table and I put another hour on it and I put another hour and I just walked around the table all night and just said, why don't I have peace? Why don't I have peace? Why don't I have peace? And, uh, and this is the answer I got after about three hours of asking God, why don't I have peace? There are situations in our lives happening right now. Jesus is the prince of peace. And so when you don't trust him in a circumstance in your life, you take control and it brings confusion. But peace is the only way to live. Everything else outside of peace is out of frustration and manipulation and confusion. I mean, it's just striving. But there is nothing better than having rest in work, in life, in relationship, in hope. Like, that's the hope is that I don't know what the outcome is, but I see the Prince of Peace in this situation in my life. I said all that to say this, and now the sermon starts, so I'm going to go through this really quickly, all right? <laughs> what is it in your life that you're trying to take control of? What is it in your life that you don't trust the Lord with? Is it your kids? Are you the helicopter parent that goes around that feel like freaks out about your kid, and you want to make sure that they have a helmet on to go to the mailbox in the morning? You know, like, like is it like, because I want to tell you, you, they're going to get hurt, I don't know if you have to learn this when, you're, when they're 25 or 30 or when they're 2, but you've got to learn you're going to have to give it up. You're going to have to stop controlling the situation. They're going to get hurt. You've got to give them to the Lord. Because what happens when you control them their whole life and you don't parent them is one day they're going to realize when you're not around that they can take control in their life. 
and they're going to wander out and make their own decisions on their own. But if you coach them, if you parent them, if you walk with them, and you let them fall, I'll tell you, man, one of the best ways to learn that that's hot is to touch it. You don't want to stick a penny in a light socket. You don't die, but you learn that that's a bad idea, and you don't want to do it. The only reason why I know that is because we had a speaker here a couple years ago, Bill Mutz, and he had like 10 kids, and he said he, on two occasions he had a kid that stuck a penny in a light socket, and he said, yeah, they, don't, they don't die. You know, they, they don't do it again, though, in their life. You know, I've learned the best lessons in my life through getting hurt. Anyone else? I learned, yeah, look, man, that, that, it, the Bible says the wise man stays away from the wicked woman. Learn that lesson. <laughs> she hurts me, man. So I'm going to find me a godly woman. You trust your heart with someone that ain't godly, it's only going to hurt you. Okay, that, see, that, see, that's a good one. So there's a helicopter. There's, there's some folks here that, that are struggling with control in their finances. What I'm going to do, man, is I'm just going to fix this as best as I can. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. There's no peace in it. There's, you, don't, you don't see peace. There's no rest in it. And so there's going to be work as you try to control this thing the rest of your life. Now, here's the thing. We're walking with God, but are we? I mean, it's like we walk with him in certain areas of our life, but in relationship, when, when we marry someone, we have intimacy with them, and we share everything with them. And this is the Lord. I mean, He knows all of me. He knows all of my thoughts. He sees everything that I'm, like, He knows me. And I have these areas in my life that I may not trust Him in. We're gonna, I'm going to go deeper in that. Some of us have employees in our life where we, we, man, we overmanage them. We know that they can't do it as good as us, and so we might as well just, I'll just, you get out of the way, and I'll just do it for you. And it's a really bad way to manage. I mean, you, some people aren't going to do it as good of you, but you're going to have to let them grow a little bit. you got to let them fail. That's how you got there. Uh, some of us are trying to fix our reputation, or we're trying to fix our marriage right now. And we have so much control in it, we're trying to fix this other person. If you'll just do this, and do this, and do this, and do this. And I'm telling you, as much as you're trying to fix them, it's only going to just destroy you, because you can't fix them. You can't. You can't, fi- I, you can't fix them. You can't fix any person you can let them turn it over to God. And it may take them 40 years before they actually fold the towel the way you want that towel folded. <laughs> but if you decide that that's where you're going to pitch your tent and, and cuss and scream about a towel, man, that's, a, that's, that, that's your life. But in five years from now, that towel don't make no difference. you got to let some things go. And we're trying to fix things so much that there ain't no peace in that situation because you're in control. This is good, right? Isn't this good? This is good. You started off slow, right? But it was like, we're going to get there. All right, here we go. All right, here we go. So, all right, here, all right. so one of the things, that, so, so what is it that you're trying to control in your life? Could you do me a favor? Would you close your eyes? What is it that you're trying to control in your life? Some of you are like, I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna do this. All right, yeah, you can control your own situation, then, buddy. Let's see how this works out. Uh, what are you trying to control in your life? What would it look like if you trusted it to the Lord? What would it look like if you trusted it to the Lord? All right, let me show you something. One of the scriptures I I, I know of that you may have heard before is that the Lord's arm is not too short. I 
I love, I love praying that over myself. I love knowing that if God is for me, then who could be against me? I love to remind myself that God cares. He knows the number of hairs on my head, which is getting easier for the Lord by the day right now. <laughs> and so uh, he, uh, he, he, um, he knows my situation. He knows what I'm going through, and he's, he's in the process with me in this. And so if he knows what we're worried with, can we let this, can we let him have it? Can we let him fix it? Control gets harder when you grab for more. The more things that have to be perfect in our life, the harder it gets for us because God isn't requiring that perfection of you. And you're putting it on yourself and then you deflect it onto others and you require that same standard that isn't even on you. And it gets harder, and, and what happens is the cancer grows inside of you, that control. And some things you just got to let go and know that, like, if the silverware has a spot on the fork, it's going to be okay. All right. One of the things I think, I'm just going to go quickly here, really quick, um, that I think some of us are trying to, to, to control in our life is our finances. And I, I don't, I mean... This has always been a hard subject for me to talk about as a pastor, mostly because this comes out of my weakness. There was a time in my life where I hated the church because I felt like they were abusive towards people's finances. And in doing so, I've abused our church because I've abandoned this subject. And I apologize to you guys. It's hard for me. I want you to know, of everything, ask, you ask Brady, you ask anyone that is close to me and knows my heart, this is the one thing I don't want to talk about in our church, our board. They get mad at me. <laughs> we could have more money if you would talk about it once in a while. If I would challenge me, listen, I, I know that the other churches have abused people. They've passed the plate, and when the offering wasn't big enough, they passed it again. And then they talk about it for 45 minutes before they started the sermon. You're just going to get a 45-minute sermon from me. You know, it's good. All right, so here we go. Don't store up your treasures here on earth where moths and rust uh, destroy them, but where thieves break in and steal them, and there where your treasures are in heaven. Uh, 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 I can't read this thing here. Store up your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy them, and thieves do not break in and steal them. And wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Another translation, I think that New King James says that there where your treasure is, so will your heart be. And so what I realize is that when you, when you give your finances to Jesus, that's where your heart is. And many of us, are taking control of our finances and that's where our heart is and we won't let it go and we're wondering why we're struggling we have this blockage in our heart called control itself i'm in the way with my my finances and i won't let it go now some of you this isn't an issue but for some of us we won't let go of the tithe uh, listen, I, I can only say in my own life, I have seen God come through again and again and again and again. Is anyone else ever that know what I'm talking about that's in covenant giving with tithing? There's something about saying, hey, look, it's God, I'm in a situation and it's on you. It's cool. It's a cool feeling. Listen, because other people that are freaking out about their finances, they have to find a way to solve it. But when it's on Jesus, and it, look, Jack, you've got to go in there and talk to my wife and explain why we ain't got no money to make account because I, I did what you told me to do. I gave. It's on you now. It's off me. I've, I've had this conversation with the Lord. Because he said, test me in this. The only place in the whole Bible where God said, test me in your finances. But some of us can't see God in it, so we keep it from him. 
And, and I tell you, I don't think you can fix your financial situation. Uh, I'm going to keep going. Time. Time is a hard one. I, we had a speaker here la- uh, two weeks ago uh, on a Friday night with the men's gig. And uh, I hated this point. Uh, Will Harris talked on this sermon about two years ago. And I hated it since then. And I've only heard two people talk about this since then. But it's one of these things that I know that you're struggling with, that I'm struggling with. I spoke to uh, Anita this morning. She said she was struggling with it. Time is an enemy of Americans. (laughs) Bottom line. Ain't none of you got time for anything. But the Bible says remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Right now I've got this chest cold that I've had for about two weeks now. And right now I'm as tired as I can ever remember. And I know that I know that God's been dealing with me about taking a day off. And I'm telling the Lord, no, God, you don't understand. I don't have the, anyone else tell the Lord this at all anytime recently? I don't have the time. No, well, here's the problem. Either you've given your life to him or you've taken it back. But if you gave him your life, Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. It's not I that live, but it's Christ that lives in me. So now the problem is, where's your time at, Jack? You're you're driving this ship. You do have the time. Many of us, I was thinking about uh, like our pie chart of our our day. I was going to show you. uh, I'll do it anyway. I got time. Let's pretend this is a pie. And so we're thinking, you know, I got, I got, uh, we we need at least, who here, help me out. I need eight hours of sleep at least, right? Come on now. Eight hours of the day. And then we work for eight hours of the day, right? But we commute for at least 30 minutes both ways, right? So now we're looking at nine hours. And they, you know, a corporate America today, they're going to make you take a lunch break, Jack. Now you got to sit there at work and take an hour to do nothing. And so somehow in that hour, you know, you still don't have time for Jesus. And you come home from work and you got to cook, got to eat. And after you cook, you got to clean up. Otherwise, you can have roaches everywhere. You know what I'm talking about? Ain't no one want to come to your house. And after you clean, if you got kids, um, you got to talk to them, you know. <laughs> you got to help them with their homework a little bit. I mean, where is time going? Time is gone before you spent it. It's the same thing with our finances. And now at the end, after we've paid our mortgage and paid our car payment and paid our insurance and paid our phone bill and paid Bright House and paid, why ain't got no money left to tithe? That's because we've done it wrong. In the words of Ricky Bobby, if you ain't first, you're last. You know what I'm talking about? If God ain't first, he's last. And this is the, the, the problem is in our hearts is we've got to change this thing, take Give a little bit of control back to the Lord and say, here's my life. I'm surrendering it to you. You're first. And so I'm upset today that I have a chest cold. And I know that I've been resisting God, not for a season, but for like nine years now of not having a day off. And God's like, look, you're going to die a lot quicker than you think unless you listen to me. Sometimes you've got to do nothing. You've got to do nothing. So this is, I don't know. I'm going to make time for this. This is a really funny scripture. It's my, one of the funniest stories in the whole Bible. I swear it's the truth. It's true. Outside of the, guy, the bear mauling the people that Elijah prayed for, this is the second funniest story. There's a story in the Old Testament. Old Testament is so weird, man. I'm like, what is going on with those people? But they're Israelites. So, I mean, anyways, so there's a story with Moses. And uh, 
it's, it says the, the commandment was to honor the Sabbath. And this guy was collecting sticks on the day of the Sabbath. He's picking up sticks. And they found this guy picking up sticks. And the scripture says that they dragged this man to Moses. And Moses, who wanted to honor the Sabbath, demanded that all of Israel stoned this guy. So then they threw rocks at him until he died. I feel like they spent more effort dragging him to Moses and throwing rocks at him. They just let the guy just pick up sticks. Let us all just pick up sticks. He's probably cold or something. Who knows what the guy... But the reality was that there was a principle that we got away from. That's why Chick-fil-A is booming. Because they honor the Sabbath, man. Some of you will get it later. Time. Here's one that I think is important that we have to understand is that some of us are controlling with the people that God has entrusted us to. It could be our children. It could be our employees. It could be our spouse. It could be our parents. It could be our grandchildren. But some of us are controlling in a way that God is not controlling with us. In the same way that God is not saying, you will take a day off. We are doing that to others, and we're demanding of them that they act, talk, or respond in a way that fits our demand or our standard. But you're not the standard. Everyone in our life is free to be who they are to be. Now, what's important is with your employees, we don't demand anything out of anyone. We can coach them. We can set a standard and help them understand why that's a good standard. But we can't demand anything of anyone. It's not fair. God doesn't do it of us. As long as I've not been honoring the Sabbath, some of us in our life have not been honoring a situation and, and we're controlling. And so I was thinking of some situations in Scripture where, where people controlled something. I thought of Jesus. Jesus allowed Judas into his life and allowed him to betray him. And I thought, man, but you know the damage that that happened? If Jesus would have just not, if he just would have prevented him and controlled the situation, there would have been no damage that took place. But I was thinking, what, what damage did he create? Well, Jesus died. And then I thought to myself, but did he? No, no, I mean, you know, yeah, he died, but I mean, he's kind of doing all right, you know, so everything worked out all right. He's in heaven right now. He's sitting in a good situation. So ultimately, Maybe it's not bad that we're not controlling the people in our life. Here's the last one. Some of us are controlling our life's calling. I've seen this from so many people. I know people that believe they're called to do missions. Like, no, not do missions. Be a missionary. And will not do missions here now. I know people that are called to be in the worship band. That won't be in the, in the worship band. And there are a lot of people in our life that are telling God what he can do with, our, with his calling on our lives. And it's an absolute tragedy that we... Galatians 2.20 says, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, not I that live, but that Christ that liveth in me. And some of us are called to be a greeter. 
And when we don't do these things, there's a frustration that happens inside of us. There's a confusion that sets off because we're stopping the flow of what God wants to do and we won't just surrender. Now, I know the same thing that's happening to you is the same thing that happens to me. I know that I'm not the best speaker in the world. Some of you may think you tell me that I am, and I pre God bless you for being deceived, but listen, T.D. Jakes is the man. You know what I'm talking about? Like, that dude can preach on a chair. Like, he can give him a chair in five minutes, and he's got a really good sermon. Same thing that happened to Moses. He's got an excuse why he can't do what he's supposed to do. The same, you know, John the Baptist has got an excuse. We all got a good reason why you're not the best pick. But if you don't, you're stopping the flow. You've got to surrender to what God wants to do in your life and just give in. Otherwise, it becomes a blockage in your heart, and it becomes a cancer in your body, and it sets off confusion. you just got to throw yourself sometimes. And listen, I, I really don't want to say this. I don't, honest to God, so those of you that know me, no, I'm, I'm done. I'm almost done. Some of you have to just submit to the pastor. And no one knows that I hate saying that more than Brady. I don't even like that sentence. Because I've seen some foul pastors. But if there's one thing that I think that I'm good at, is it's not taking advantage of anyone. Like, I try to put you guys before me all the time. Before my family, before my kids. And so, you got to trust people again. And that's a process. But if you don't trust in the Lord with all of your heart, there's going to be anxiety that builds. And what happens is, is then you stop doing what God wants you to do so you can take control. And you start controlling other things in your life. And the more you control, the more you get afraid that you don't have control. And you control more. And you try to fix. And you try to get it right. And you try to get it right. And so it may be your calling it may be your finances. It may be your friendships or some relationships in your life. I don't know what it is, but I think some of us have control and we're not trusting the Lord with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind. Trust in the Lord today. I'm telling you, I don't care if you've been a Christian for 48 years or 120 years. Listen, I'm telling you, Christianity 101 is this. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And lean not unto your own understanding, but acknowledge him in everything you do, and he will direct your path. And I'm telling you, unless we can start to trust God in more areas of our life, we will not grow. But he's not going to make you surrender. He is not going to make you surrender, dot, dot, dot. You're going to have to say, God, I don't know how finances are going to come through, or I don't know how I'm ever going to like this pastor because he's crazy, or I don't know how I'm ever going to trust that my spouse is ever going to stop treating me this way or acting this way or ever going to stop being lazy or ever going to stop putting the toilet paper holder on the right way. You know what I'm talking about, some of you? That'll cause a divorce in some houses. Like, well, it doesn't go that way. It goes this way. And like, it's okay. It just comes off, you know? So I end with this verse, and I thought it was pretty cool, and it, it's a key to my heart, and I'm done here. Luke chapter 14, verse 33 says this, In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything, you cannot be my disciples. I didn't write it. I didn't, you know, I'm just repeating what I read, and you all can read it yourself, see if I you know, misquoted it. But he's saying there's a couple things you got to do if you want to be his disciple. But bottom line is you're going to have to let go. Let go. 
let go, there's some fears you're holding on to, and so you're pushing people away. Some of you are pushing the people you love the most away. You're pushing your calling away. You're pushing your finances away. Like, God wants to bless you, but, man, some, sometimes I believe in our finances, one of the greatest ways to encounter God is to trust God in your finances. It's a really neat thing when I let go of money that I can't afford to let go of, and then I discover that he's faithful, and then it opens up every other door in my life because I realize, oh, my goodness, you're so faithful to me in all of these things. We just got to let go. I'm done. This is about freedom. This is about knowing that you don't have to do this. You don't have to surrender. Let me make it clear. He loves you as you are. But some of you want to love him. You want rest and peace in your life. And if you're ever going to find that, you're going to have to let go. And that's hard knowing that someone else can screw it up. And they're probably going to. But it's going to work out. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? God, I'm excited about what you're doing in our church. I'm excited about Easter. I'm excited about the Seder dinner. I'm excited. I mean, I get so excited about small groups on Wednesday night, connect groups. And I just thank you that you're here. And I, I thank you that the word of the Lord went out today. And I think that it pricked a lot of people's hearts. That you're going to teach us how to trust you. That there are some situations in our life where we don't know the Prince of Peace. And you're coming to invade that situation. So for my marriage and my job and my finances and my friendships and my coworkers and my children and my, my parents, I trust you. I trust you with the salvation of my brother. I trust you with my life, my calling. What you want to do with my life, I lay it down. I trust you with my heart. Father, in Jesus' name today, I bless these people with an ability to hear your voice and see what you want to do in their life. And I thank you that you're rewarding them instantly. In Jesus' name, amen.